Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. If you love that flash, that spark of inspiration when a great idea just leaps off the page at you, but you don't have time for all the amazing books you run across, then this podcast is designed for you. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you and come away with insights you can put into action right now. So let's jump into the latest book. Welcome, everybody. This is one book that changed my life. We have an amazing guest. Julia is with me today from Book Launcher. She is the founder there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what makes her different in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a book that I know a lot of people are familiar with. But we're going to talk about Julie's story around that uh, in terms of coming across the book and how it changed her life, the trajectory and all that fun stuff. She now gets to spend... I'm very jealous because she basically gets to spend all day helping people <laughs> write and launch books, which is an amazing, uh, amazing job. Uh, and and uh, sounds like an amazing company. So we'll touch that on that at the end. But uh, one thing that you may not know about Julie, and I didn't know this until we talked just before we hit record, but Julie actually hit number one on Amazon, not in some obscure, you know, electronic manufacturing capabilities, not like some obscure category, right? She hit number one on Amazon in print books and stayed in the top 100 for 45 whole days, which is an insane accomplishment. So uh, we're talking to a legitimate expert today. And we're going to talk about a really amazing book that you might uh, be familiar with, but we're going to hopefully revisit some things that you probably forgot. So Julie, thank you so much for being here and welcome officially. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about this today. Uh, me too. So when you run across somebody, because our, our audience is very similar to your ideal audience, uh, how do you describe to them like what you guys do in terms of writing and launching books and just what makes you different from other companies that claim to do something similar? Yeah, for sure. We're, we're marketing focused from day one. A lot of people are great writers. There's great cover designers. There's great marketers. But to write a book that is set up to sell, you really have to be thinking about marketing from day one. And, and we do that. Yeah, it's it's so hard because you end up pouring your heart and soul into a book and you'll spend more time on page 197 and then you get to the end of it and you realize, oh crap, this thing actually has to sell now. And then you start thinking about, <laughs> like, oh, I should think about what the cover looks like and uh, and get some feedback from my audience maybe. Um, and just a short story for about Microfamous. So I met up with one of my uh, heroes, co-author of one of my favorite books. And it was towards the end of the writing process. And the book was not called Microfamous. It was called something else. And uh, one of uh, my clients has, had suggested an alternate title and I just ran it by him. And he's like, oh yeah, that's way better. I'm like crap. So three quarters of the way through the writing process, I, I go and have to like revise the book to match the new title. Uh, but it was so worth it. Uh, I, sh I should have done, like I should have been getting more feedback along the way from my potential reading audience and it made a huge difference. So I love that you guys are marketing focused because it makes a huge, huge difference in the overall success. So let's go back. Let's go back a ways. So obviously this book has been around for quite a while. It came into your book uh, a while, you know, came into your life a while ago. So set the scene for me a little bit. What were you doing? What stage of life were you at when you first encountered the book? Yeah, it was 2001. And I was working at Kimberly Clark, Canada. Um, I new, newly graduated from university and, and was working as a sales rep selling Kotex and Kleenex and Huggies and all the all those things. And, uh, and one of my coworkers said, you know, my daughter just read this book. And you know, I really feel like there's more for you into in this life. And you should read this book, too. Mm -hmm. And and so she it was rich dad, poor dad. And she, you know, had to drive to the bookstore because that's what you had to do in 2001. And I picked it up and I read it in days. And, yeah. and it was just, it was just, it was, it was mind changing. It, it completely changed my outlook on life. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. I, I must've encountered it 
maybe within a couple of years of you, uh, so maybe 2002, 2003, a similar situation, similar age. And yeah, it, it completely rocked my world and changed my perspective because I, I, I had no intention to really go into business. I didn't really think of things that way. I had other plans. And all of a sudden, it opened my eyes to the self-employment or business owner path. So that it made a huge difference for me. So what, what did you, what did you do with that, that perspective shift? What was the first direction you went? Yeah. So, I mean, I was looking at it at the time I was in the process of applying to do my MBA. And, and so I was really kind of going on this career path that they, that is talked about in there um, to become a really great member of the workforce. (laughs) And, and I had been saving very diligently for my MBA And I just kept looking at that money and I went, you know what, I need to get that money working for me. So Mm -hmm. even though I wasn't changed off of my path, I still was going to go do my MBA. I thought, well, at least I'll graduate with something other than just debt. You know, my money can get working for me while I'm in university. So I took the money I had saved for the MBA and I bought two investment properties with that, with that money. And then I just financed the the schooling with with student loans because student loans are easy to come by, yeah. um, at least they were for me. So, um, and that's that's how I started. And then I convinced my boyfriend at the time to join in on <laughs> this crazy journey of mine. And uh, and so then I had more resources to work with, more 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 property. We could buy more property, uh, yeah. and and he liked it too. And so we got going and just kept buying from there. And it was uh, so it wasn't just that moment, it was kind of like, I now was set out on this trajectory of, of buying real estate because um, stocks didn't, what didn't make sense to me at the time. And then yeah. starting a business, it was just too far. I think from where the path I was on, you know, already was mm-hmm. too far to start a business yet. Um, but the seed was definitely planted in the whole concept of getting my money working for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's been in there since I read that book. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did that same thing for a lot of people. You know, I remember that being one of the major takeaways that I took from it. Uh, I ended up going down, you know, intending to get into real estate investment. And then as we talked about before we hit record, I got diverted off into residential and team building and stuff like that. Cause that ended up capturing my imagination for different reasons, but I never fought, forgot that core distinction, you know, cause I was always, um, probably like we all are, at least in very traditional upbringings, just raised to like, Hey, things are scarce, you know, go out and get the best job you can find, get as many benefits as you can get, and then do everything you can to to perform well and, and deserve the job you have. And maybe you get promoted. Yeah. I can, I can remember, you know, a time when the amount of, of money we bring in in a month, I would have been happy with to bring that in, in a year, you know, cause that was the mentality that we were raised with. So when you started getting into real estate investing and you start going down this path, um, what else stood out to you about the book? Did you come back to it? Is it something that you you know continually pull out? Is there anything that you still remember from those early days of getting into investing? Yeah, I mean the other the other main message that stood out to me was that knowledge is an asset, um, and so mm-hmm. investing and you invest in it, right? At yeah. the time, I felt like courses were an expense. <clears throat> but you know, ultimately, I've I don't even I don't even want to add out how much money I've spent on on training and conferences and you know <laughs> filling my brain with with all kinds of goodness now because I've spent a lot of money on it. Um, but it, it was that change of looking at it as I'm I'm investing in myself and, yeah. and this is an asset that nobody can ever take away from me. And yeah. and man, has that proved me well? Because obviously, you know, going from real estate 
to writing, you know, writing and writing books, but then also helping people write and launch books. Um, it's, it's knowledge, right? It's my experience and knowledge that I've invested in all over those years. Uh, that is what allowed me to create a successful company and, and pretty quickly mm. too. Yeah. That's interesting because it, it, I don't know if you've heard, heard this before, but um, in the business coaching space, if you're, if you're smart, you'll like, if you'll ask a coach, have they ever hired their own coach? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the answer is no, especially for coaches that are starting out and they're just, they're just getting started offering coaching. You'll ask them, have you worked with a coach? Do you work with a coach now? And a lot of times it's no, which is really funny. Um, in other words, they're not consuming what they're selling, right? Yeah. They don't have that experience. <laughs> so when you talk about like understanding the knowledge is an asset and it's worth investing yourself. I mean, imagine if you had gone in to, to, you know, start a book launching type company, but you yourself didn't have the mindset of investing in personal development and those types of materials. It's really hard for you to go out and authentically help people market and sell a book when you don't have that inside of you, that that's worth investing in yourself. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's probably part of what led you, you know, eventually to that, that path is that one little mindset shift. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing to look at too, because I'm also always thinking about how I can grow that asset. So I never mm-hmm. think my knowledge is capped. You know, I'm always, and I've been on panels with people where they go, oh, I've seen, you know, I've been in this for 20 years. I've seen everything there is to see. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not so yeah. sure. You know, I, I never look yeah. at it that way. I'm always going, well, I wonder what, like what, I wonder if, and, and I'm always curious. And I think some of that comes, you know, from my personality, but I also think it comes from that thought that I can, I can grow this asset. And if I keep investing in it, it gives me an ROI, you know, this tenfold. So yeah. The, yeah. There must be some, some element of just natural curiosity, because it's to end up in the business that you're in, where you're basically around a bunch of experts who have incredible opinions and incredible intellectual property. You ha- you yourself have to be a person that's intellectually curious. Yes, yeah, definitely, I am, and I and I'm also not. I'm I'm curious and I'm not judgmental. Like I look yeah. at things and I'm always like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why do you think that way? <laughs> you know, versus other people who kind of look at things and go, that's not how I think. Um, yeah. You know, I don't I don't ever go into a conversation thinking that. I'm always curious as to how that thought process like came from. Like, how did they come to that decision? So that is my natural orientation. But I, do I think- wish that was my natural orientation. <laughs> It's, it's, I, I'm working on it because, it, yeah, because I grew up with more of the judgmental part of it. Like the, I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And so I, I just bend that way naturally, not not out of malice necessarily, mm-hmm. but just that, that's my natural thing. I, I, I naturally see the world in like things that, that don't line up because I yeah. want things to line up. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have to catch myself and have started to train myself better over the last five or 10 years to just be curious. And when I encounter something that doesn't fit my belief system to go, hey, that's that's interesting. Like you can believe that, like that doesn't necessarily mean I, just because you believe that doesn't mean I have to. And it doesn't mean that either one of us is right or wrong necessarily. We can have our own opinions on things. Uh, and yeah, for somebody that doesn't have that naturally curious, like I'm intellectually curious, but I'm also, I tend to be, you know, I make snap judgments. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a skill set to be built to like stay in that state of curiosity, which is interesting to me. Um, so bridge, bridge the gap for me. So you, you read this book, you get into investing, you end up writing a book, right? That hits number one on Amazon print category. Uh, how does that lead to you helping other authors launch their own books? Yeah. So I mean, it's a, a little bit of a journey, but um, you know, the short, the short version is that after I bought the first two properties, of course I was a student, so I didn't have 
the ability to get financing. So we ended up going down the, the road of other people's money and basically problem properties. Uh, so it gave me some really great stories, like things that you don't want to mm. do. <laughs> yeah. Here's how not to invest in real estate. So I had some tremendous learning opportunities. And that's really what provided the foundation for the book that I wrote. Because it, you know, the book came out in 2013. At the time, most real estate books were all about here's how you get rich in real estate. Mm. And my book took a different perspective of, hey, like real estate has a lot of problems. You got to choose your problems, right? Like that's how I, wow. I, I approach real estate investing is, is there's going to be problems. So let's choose the problems that are a better fit for your personality and your goals. Um, and so it was a very different perspective on real estate investing and realtors and mortgage brokers loved it because really? it was this thing that they could share with their clients that would give them a practical approach to buying properties that they actually wanted to be a part of the deals on because a lot of the other thing, other strategies are challenging. Um, so, so there's, there's a, that angle. Um, and I was building a platform just really for fun, like talking to people, writing newsletters, and I got approached by a publisher. And, and so the publisher, I told them about my book idea and they were like, no, like that's a general real estate book. It's been done. Even though I'd read like 75 real estate books and knew nobody had actually talked about this. Right. Um, they said it's been done, but you know, you're interesting. So they gave me a book idea and we built a proposal together. So if anybody knows how publishing, traditional publishing works, that's really unheard of. You usually mm -hmm. need to get an agent and write a proposal yeah. and all that. We built the proposal together. I assumed I was getting a book deal. They ended up telling me I didn't have a strong enough marketing platform to sell books. Yeah. Okay. So completely rejected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was forced into either giving up or self-publishing. Um, but you know, you probably already have a little taste for my personality. I wasn't going to give up. <laughs> so you immediately shrugged <laughs> off and went home and, and put your tail between your legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wasn't giving up. And and to, even more than that, I was like, well, fine, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it better than if I had had a publisher. Mm -hmm. And so I dove into publishing, book marketing, self-publishing, and learned everything I could. And that's ultimately what drove me to push this book um, to be, you know, to be one that really helped people in a really meaningful way with yeah. real estate and ultimately um, took it to number one on Amazon and, and opened the world of publishing and self-publishing in particular um, yeah. to, to me. Yeah, that's incredible. So you did that with a self-published book. Yes. <laughs> a niche, so niche self-published book, right? It's a real estate investing book. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the Microfamous Field Report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. So selfish question. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what did you feel like was the best move for you to build your own marketing platform? What, what, what ended up working the best for you? Yeah, for me, it was my network. Uh, because okay. I, had, I had an email list of 10,000 people at the time. And you know back then, that was a pretty decent... like The open rates were 50, 60%. So oh, you had yeah. you know, good, good response to that. But that's not enough to sell as many books as I sold. It was really my network. And again, it was, it was realtors and mortgage brokers largely... Um, that I'd been sending business to for quite a while. You know, I sent, you know, anybody that asked me questions about real estate investing, I'd made contacts. I'd already been speaking a little bit in the real mm. estate investing space in Canada, but it was the fact that my book was very reality-based. It wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't, mm. um, you know, that made a lot of people really want to support it. And then my story too of 
being rejected by the publisher when a lot of other people in our circle had actually gotten a deal. Uh, and so people yeah. rallied behind me. And But I mean, the, the short answer is it was other people's audiences that drove that book to Got be it. as popular as, as it was and even to, the, to this day. Yeah, which leads us back to OPM, other people's money, just the concept that yeah, Rich Dad to Poor Dad is great at that because it gets you to think about getting to your goals with a lot of leverage. And it uses financial leverage and investing. It, that's that's the mechanism that it's teaching and that's fine. But yeah, it gets you to think of other people's audiences, other people's money, other people's relationships. Uh, there's a lot of ways to use uh, and leverage other people to get where you want to go. Uh, real estate is an interesting example because that that's kind of how it's done. Like y'all, you almost always use leverage in real estate, but in marketing, we very rarely use it. We don't think about, I mean, uh, until like, you know, joint ventures and hardcore affiliate marketing came along, we didn't really think of it that way in terms of leveraging other people's audiences. So I wonder how much that, just that concept of OPM, other people's money uh, stuck around and, um, and, and contributed to just that, the leverage of other people. Yeah, I think it's a great way to look at it. Um, I've always gone into everything to deliver massive value as well. And so it that usually pays you back in kind, although you can't go into anything going, I'm going to deliver value. So they give me something, mm -hmm. um, you know, that doesn't work that way. So I think it's a slightly different perspective because when you use leverage in real estate, like you, it is directly like, this is for this purpose um, versus I don't build relationships going, this is for this purpose. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which is, which is tough because yeah, like, you know, you know that the more relationships that you have, the better things uh, happen, you know, the more, the more good yeah. things happen, the better things go for you but you don't always know which relationships are going to be the ones that work out. And you just have to build them for the sake of being a nice person and trying to bring value to people and then let the chips fall where they may. And I think, I mean, when we, before we recorded, you said something that I think is really powerful, which is, you know, I look at who I want to be around and mm -hmm. I find those people. Yeah. And so if you do it that way, you, you know, it's fun and it doesn't feel like I have to build relationships to build relationships. You know, you're like, okay, who are the cool people that I want to hang out with and, and, you know, build your business and, and your life around hanging out with those people. Yeah. It's funny. Cause we, I think you and I were introduced by Ian Garlic, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, the first time that I was, uh, so, so Dove Gordon, who's been on the show before, uh, introduced me and Ian. Cause he's like, mm, you guys should, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know. I don't, there's, there's something there you guys should meet. And, uh, yeah, spent 15 minutes on the phone with Ian. I'm like, yep, he's my people. And then he starts <laughs> introducing me to people like you. And I'm like, yep, that's, that sounds like my people. Uh, yeah, it's cool when you strike a vein like that, where all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is a group of people that I like. And I, I'm, so I have complete confidence that if Ian introduces me to somebody else, it's going to be an automatic yes. You know, I don't, I don't even have to vet it. So I like building relationships with those people that are natural connectors. And then I get the sense that, yeah, the people that they're naturally drawn to are the same kind of people that I'm drawn to. Because uh, then it's, yeah, it just it's nice to get exposed to a network like that. So let's bring it around to book launchers. So you you have your own book, you have this yep. amazing story of people rallying around you, you have the strategy that you developed for yourself, but how did you get, mm -hmm. I'm assuming, like I got pulled into podcast production, I'm assuming you got pulled in to, uh, to helping people launch their book. How did that go down? Yeah. So I had a real estate and training education company on the side of my investment business. Mm -hmm. And I started finding people coming to me that had books, book ideas, they'd worked with other companies to to write books and they the books weren't selling. So they were asking me questions. So my coaching was starting to evolve into mm -hmm. book coaching. 
Um, but I mean, at the heart of it, I was like, I'm not a book. Like I, I had dove deeper than most people had into books, but I was a real estate expert. I was not a book expert. Um, but books were way more fun. So much more fun. (laughs) I I loved it. You know, it was something I got excited about the people I was talking to about the books. I was not so excited to talk to the people who wanted to figure out how to buy an investment property. So I really uh, started to kind of get drawn that way. And a lot of things happened in my life. And it came to the point where uh, we were looking at moving from Canada to the States. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I looked at buying businesses to get a visa I didn't really want to buy somebody else's business because it felt like buying somebody else's problem property. (laughs) Uh, And so I sat down and I was like, well, my dream business would be to help people write, publish and market books. And so I just really dreamed up the company that I would have wanted to hire as somebody, you know, self-publishing and wanting to do it as good or better than Mm -hmm. a traditionally published book. And I, I spent a year developing everything with this company. Um, and part of that was for the visa process because they have to approve you and believe that there's a, a business there. Uh, and then I started hiring people because I was not the expert in publishing. And so mm-hmm. my, before I before I even really had clients, I hired two people, somebody who was mm-hmm. an expert in turning books, in turning ideas into great books. Um, and he had actually turned a computer software book into a seven-year running TV series. So he had a really cool, interesting perspective on, on nonfiction books and how to make wow. them really marketable. And then I hired somebody who had worked for a publisher who had done all the things, right, to get right. a book to market. Um, and then when we needed the next person, the next person was a book marketer. So even mm-hmm. though I have book marketing expertise, I wanted to have all the core pieces. And we've just built out from there. Um, mm-hmm because I'm, I'm a generalist, really, I can, I can talk a lot about publishing, but if you get into nuanced questions, I need to go to one of my experts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm guessing you probably feel the same way about books that I feel about podcasts, which is most of the work of whether it takes off or not is done before the podcast or the book ever launches. It's in those critical strategy decisions that you make during the process leading up to the launch. So yeah, if you, if you, uh, like, I'm sure you get this, you get people coming to you go, I, I, you know, I just need, I just need this. I just need this, these few, I just need somebody to market the book for me. I've already got yeah. the book. All that's done. I've got the artwork. I've got this and that. And yeah, I, I can see you being like, no, like that's, you're missing the most important part. Like all those decisions you think you already made are actually the most important part of this process, right? Yeah, that's beautifully summarized. And we've tried, we've taken books that we thought, well, this isn't a bad book. Like there should be a market for this. And we've tried to market it. Mm -hmm. um, And it just hasn't worked because the things that really are going to make that book well positioned are finalized before that book goes, is done editing. Um, And so anything later than the first round of edits, we've, we've stopped accepting because it really, there's, it's layered. And that's the thing. Like somebody comes to me and they're like, I just need a copy editor. I just need this. And I'm like, we're not a la carte. Like you can't, you can't separate it and create success. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's, um, I've had that happen where we've done the same thing. We've taken on a podcast that was already either close to launch or already launched. Mm -hmm. And now we stop doing that unless they're coming in going, tear it all down. We're completely open-minded. Let's rebrand everything. Let's let's get this thing positioned right. It's like then yeah. then we'll 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 talk. But yeah, it's um I, I guarantee there's a lot of people that think they, they put so much effort into the book and so much of their heart and soul into it, and then they think the problem is then hiring somebody else to do the marketing. And I yeah, I mean the marketing has to be baked into everything from the ground up. So yeah, it's got to be you got to work with a company like yours from from the very beginning. And and I'm, and I'm the same way. So like I don't say that just to promote you. I say that because I know that's true, even in my own, my own area. So 
who who is the right person? So who's the person who should be listening to this going like, okay, I absolutely, I've got an idea. I've got maybe a rough draft, but I'm not too far along in the process. This sounds like exactly the company I should be working for, but who's that right person for you guys? Yeah, somebody who's got a clear vision of where they want the book to take them and a good sense of their audience. Um, mm. Because, and of course, some expertise to share or a story to share to, to support that. Um, but, you know, knowing what you want the book to do for you really helps create the hook of the book. And then knowing who you're speaking to uh, is vital. Um, so okay. somebody who has no audience clarity or they think their audience is everyone, it's, it's a really long journey to get to a book that's going to sell. Yes. So if you're, if you're sitting there going, here's my business, here's what I'd like to happen in my business. I, I know a book can help me do that. And here's the person I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Great. Like that is mm-hmm. an ideal place to contact book launchers and say, help me create a great book and set it up to do this in my business. Yeah. I love it. All right. There's a lot more we could talk about that. Uh, by the way, how do people connect with you? Where do they go? Uh, Booklaunchers.com uh, forward slash the number seven steps is a download on really thinking through kind of what I just said you need to you need to have ready um, so that you're planning out a book that will sell. So whether you're working with book launchers or somebody else, um, that download will get you really set up to think through what you need. And then you've also got my email address so you can just hit reply. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and you and I are the same way in the sense that no matter how many people we have on our team, we both have a lot of support staff and people. Uh, we're always the ones that want to talk to new clients. Like we're, we want to yeah. handle the high-level strategy. So uh, they get you is what I'm trying to get across there. So that they don't get shuffled off onto uh, some minion. <laughs> well, I would never call my people minions, but yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. you know what I mean. uh, okay. So one, uh, before we hit, uh, before we shut the recording down, I have one last surprise question for you, which is just what's on, what's on your nightstand? What are you excited to read right now? Well, I'm working on writing a book on book marketing. So my nightstand <laughs> actually has all, all the books that are already out on how to market a book, the one page marketing plan, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else is on there, but I know uh, right now, Joanna Penn's book on how to market a book is the one that I'm, I'm reading. I've read it before, but I'm reading it again. Um, just to make sure there's any other ideas that are lurking out there in the world that we haven't tried yet. So I can test them out before I finish writing my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically all the books you're reading now are research. It's not like there's nothing. Yeah. You're not reading anything for fun right now. It's all, it's all research for the project. That is the one thing that's the, the one kind of, and I won't even say it's a drawback because I yeah. love it. But I read so much in my day. So I'm, I, I scan, I don't read, I don't even get to read all our books anymore, but, yeah. um, but I scan almost all our books and I'm reading to make sure I'm on top of everything. Um, yeah. I don't read for fun anymore. I, I, that is the one, one thing I don't do. I can see fun. that. Yeah. So well, what's the substitute? Um, well, the I, I, I don't videos? even. No, I listen to podcasts. I do like podcasts. So I'm definitely a podcast listener. But I mean, for me, it's the gym. It's it's going to the gym and not having any content coming in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. Uh, That is, I turn music on. I don't listen to people who listen to podcasts. Nope, this is just brain turn off muscles. No, you're you're 100% (laughs) right. So I I have a client who who does a lot of, she runs an, an insanely good membership and then has a couple of private clients behind the scenes. And she told me one time, she's like, I like the only way I can consume books for the most part is in audio form, not because I don't like to read, but because for the business, I read all the time. Her clients are releasing books that she's reviewing. She's talking about content strategy. She's reviewing content for emails that people in her community want her feedback on. Like just, yeah, there's certain, there's certain roles where you're just, you're reading so much that I can completely understand not wanting to then go home and crack 
a book. Um, now for yeah. me, I do still enjoy, like I, I read all the time, even though we, we talk about books and stuff like that, but I do indulge in, you know, spy thrillers and stuff like that, that there's, there's good 10 years. I didn't read any fiction. And then once the business was established, I finally started letting myself read some fiction again, which is fun. But anyway, all right. I really appreciate it. So people should go check out book launchers. And of course the, the book we're talking about rich dad, poor dad. Uh, it's a one that everyone should know, but it might be one of those ones where people overlook and they think, Oh, that's been around for a while. I kind of know what's in it. Go back and read it. Cause we talked about just the connection between things like other people's money and that leading you to the inside of leveraging other people's audiences. You just never know when one of those big ideas from a book like that will show up and pop up in some other area of your life and create a massive breakthrough. So Julie, this has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Uh, very similar background stories, which is always fun to encounter. Uh, and I hope people like uh, get in touch with you and get connected. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today. So you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of one book that changed my life. We'll see you there.